0: This is A Strategist, episode 1078. My name is Zane Belcher, with me as always, Corey Hogan, and of course, there's Stephen Carter. Carter, how you doing? Stephen, so wild that we were able to pull you away from mustard
1: dogs. It's all you've been talking about. Oh my god, Uh, I love that show. I'm sorry, mustard
2: dogs? Mustard. Mustard dogs. We got to watch the finale. No, hold on, hold on. on.
0: Don't drive by it. Mustard, once again, again, mustard. Mustard.
2: Mustard dogs, okay? It's not like you're eating a hot dog. Mustard. It's a mustard, mustard dog. Oh, dogs. I, I thought it was eating hot no, dogs. No, mustard dogs. The dogs go. And see what happens is the dogs sorry, go. That's sounding like mustard dogs. Mustard <laughs> dogs. I need you to focus. I need you to focus in on me. Okay, watch my list. Spell legs. it.
0: Can you use it in a sentence?
2: Mustard. I went and I mustered Corey and Zane to come to my house where it was pissing rain and because it was raining, right? You guys remember the rain? And because well, it, it, it was, was raining, here. Heather Language and I watched the season finale of <laughs> Mustard Dogs. And I'll tell you, there were tears. Rob's decision at the end—I mean, it broke us. It broke us. So the fact that I'm and here tonight. This is over
0: like a hot dog.
2: No, see what did happened. Did he break is, his
0: heart like as in a heart attack? Like did he have a heart attack listen, after eating so many some, hot
2: dogs? Some dogs are with better just with very, mustard. Some dogs are better sodium, with sodium, and then you put and some like, dogs mustard's are better pretty with, high sodium with, too. With cows, I'm not. I'm just driving through. It's a great show. It's on Netflix mustard dogs uh australian wait a minute so
0: like it was just learned something Mm -hmm. learned something yeah yeah mustard is part of the melon family
2: (laughs) and i'm not into it (laughs) really really good show and i I give you guys this and i'm not into it yeah i give you this gift of Uh, the show Corey, you're welcome
0: top three condiments
1: top three condiments uh Ah, uh, you know what? I like a good chutney, maybe
0: sriracha. Shut the fuck oh up, Carter. Top their condiments. Let's let's just <laughs> mustard's at the top, <laughs> simply because of mustard. Mustard's
2: dogs. pretty good. No, yeah. mustard, mustard is, at is the not top. near the top. Relish. Oh, I love me a good relish.
0: No oh. relish. Okay, going back to you, Corey. Oh, relish <laughs> have you moved is so on from good. chutney? You're you're you're. They had your relish on mustard. I think dogs. that your desire to be is a that. in a different context.
2: Relish was chutney. It was relish in a different context.
0: It was relish. Relish was yeah. the colonial chutney.
2: Good joke. <laughs> Just,
0: Good joke. And by the way, uh, to all the whites, horrible job at making a chutney. With if relish was your take, if relish was what you guys could come up with, which is you know pickles. Let's add sugar to pickles and then make it into a paste. I'm gonna blow your mind. Well, let me thing. put it this: least, sugar
2: is already in pickles. Sugar is already of barf. Oh my uh, goodness
0: where's here's the main question? This is the reason I asked the question? Where does ketchup fit in? Mm, does it I'm does not, it go in the top three? Yes or no?
2: near the bottom, near the bottom. The, I'm near not the saying bottom of the top three. So <laughs> Dude, third, don't like it. Don't like it. It's like number seven after the the special cut after the special mustard and and uh, relish. You know the mustard relish one that you get for hot dogs. Fuck, I love that one. It's the hot dog relish. So good. That's a good one. You know why I thought of that mustard dogs. Mustard dogs. Really good.
0: Yeah. Once again. Can you use it in a sentence for me? Because I'm really still confused.
2: So it rained at my house. And because it was raining, we watched Mustard Dogs. And Mustard Dogs is a four episode series with it's set in Australia and unbelievable. Joni I like that we're setting
0: the context up three Frank. That's good. (laughs) Joni
2: and Frank did such a good job training their dogs. They were really amazing. And this is this is everything we could hope for. This is everything. And is this a Patreon special, by the way? Because I'd hate to. Uh, no, it's not. It's oh my God, like everybody's that. hearing this? Okay, let's focus, Zane. I need you to focus, brother. Let's get us. Get uh, once again, on this track. is mustard
0: dogs uh, in anticipation of the July 4th Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, Stephen Carter recommends mustard dogs. Uh, Corey, what's going on with you before uh, before we we, we, we get this, uh, this show started at maybe the 30, 35-minute mark?
1: Uh, well, I was just Googling whether people considered relish a chutney. And? and? Uh, the internet's unclear on it. I think we've got our new as a hot dog a sandwich.
0: Totally Ooh, is relish, is relish, relish is, how is relish a chutney? First of all, I went with Corey. Now that I'm thinking about it for more than a half a second, relish is not a chutney. It's just bad. Okay? It's wow. its own thing, and it's bad. Because it, it can't even be part Zane, of the family.
2: I can't have you shitting all over our culture. You know, it's just <laughs> our culture.
0: What is, hold on. What is in relish? I actually want to know this. I've never looked it up.
2: Yum Yum Pickles. Okay.
0: Uh, it is, okay, it is, uh, yum, is yum. a cooked and pickled product made up of chopped vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly like it. a chutney. <laughs> it kind of sounds like a chutney Sounds to me. like a yeah. chutney. <laughs> fucking useless. Uh, Corey, so you got nothing else going on, except now you're obsessed with this. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I'm going to
1: be doing the rest of this episode. I will pretend to answer the questions you throw at me, but that's mostly where we're
0: going Like my head's always, welcome to Stephen Carter's world. Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment, Corey, fine, fabulous, or totally fucked. Yes, we're yes. bringing back a classic, because we have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to talk about on the federal scene, in the Toronto mayoral scene. We might even jump into Alberta politics. And why not use our Favorite framework, Corey, if something is fine, if something is fabulous, or if something is totally fucked. Corey, let's start here. Tomorrow, Toronto Alexa new mayor. If you're Olivia Chow, how do you feel tonight, the night before? Do you feel fine? Do you feel fabulous? Do you feel fucked? For some context, she's been up in all the polls, but her lead is getting narrower and narrower and narrower based on uh, almost every single poll you see out there. She's a front runner. She's one day away from glory. Corey, how does she feel? Fine, fabulous, or fucked tonight?
1: I think that she feels okay. I it, Obviously, the most recent polls have shown a tightening, but that tightening is still her with a lead of about, I don't know, seven points, right? And one of the challenges is that her, her biggest competitor was uh, endorsed by the former mayor. And mm-hmm. maybe if that had happened a week or two earlier, it would be a bigger deal. But it, I don't know. I don't know if the ship can turn. One of the interesting questions here and why... Maybe if I was going to lean a little fucked, like if it was like fine, fine slash fucked, it would be that in Toronto, a couple things. One is not a huge history of advanced poll. You know, mm. there's, I think there's like 115,000 or something who have uh, voted in the advanced poll. I'd have to pull it up. And that's basically the same as it was last time. Last time, the turnout was less than 30%. In the mayoral election. In, so, in,
0: in like a general election when you're electing like counselors election. and yeah, everyone else. Exactly yeah, exactly yeah.
1: right. So, uh, if you assume that you're going to get somewhat the same turnout, two things. One is not as many people as, say, in like an Alberta general election are voting in the advance polls, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And two, with turnout being that low, really, it's who shows up, right? And anything can happen. And that's got to create a little bit of anxiety for you because. The difference between winning and losing, winning by seven points and losing is, you know, probably only a 100,000 votes, Yeah, you know, and if that's that. a, that's a real challenge right?
2: that, because
1: the people who show up will be like really significant. And yeah, you're right, Stephen. I think
0: it was like 700,000 people voted last time. I, I don't have it yeah. in front of me again, but
2: it's going to be that. a smaller number of victory.
0: Well, what's the what's the answer for you, Carter? Is it is if you're Olivia Chow tonight and you're her campaign one day before you're you're supposed to take this skin? You've been the front runner the entire time. We've talked about how this race, uh, out of maybe any race in recent memory, was going to be reliant on one thing and one thing alone. Do we know who you, what your name is? Especially when there's a hundred candidates on the ballot. Have we heard of you before? Well, she seems to be winning that race on day one, and she seems to be leading that race on day e minus one. Fine, fabulous, or fucked? If you're Olivia Chow's team tonight, Carter.
2: I think you're fucked with the with an with a hopeful fine. Um, you know, but this this makes my stomach nervous the way that the provincial election in Alberta made my stomach nervous. I almost had to go to the bathroom there while Corey was talking. And the reason is that it's super easy to choose Olivia Chow. We talked about how, you know, when you're in the poll, when, when this lead was going to this election was going to come down to someone who was well known with an already established platform, people would understand it easily in advance. Olivia Chow has fit that category now. Um, so when the pollsters call the less engaged voter, it's very easy to say Olivia Chow. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Olivia Chow. But when you have less than 30 percent turnout and in a by-election, it tends to be even lower you, you could be looking at a 25% turnout. Well, who, who actually gets out, right? It is the hyper-engaged. It's the mostly engaged. It's people who are paying attention. And I'm not sure the people who are selecting Olivia Chow in the polls are necessarily the same people who are actually going to get out and vote. Now. She's got a lead. She's had a lead since day one. You've got to be feeling pretty good about it. But my tummy's doing that thing where I have to go to the bathroom a lot. That's what I would expect.
0: Well, 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 it's it's, it's the mustard on the dogs. Yeah, go ahead,
1: Corey. It's the momentum, right? Like Anna Bailao seems to have momentum at this point. Nobody has had momentum this entire race. It's been fairly stuck since the start. And now it looks like maybe there's some movement. But it does feel like that movement's happening pretty late. And we've said this 100 times. These things take a little bit of time to get through the public, generally speaking, mm-hmm. right? Thing is, again, we're not talking about huge numbers here. And if a lot of those people who are in third place, fourth place, fifth place, sixth place, supporting candidates that are in those positions, I mean, start saying, well, my person doesn't have a chance and I don't want Olivia Chow, so I'm going to cast my ballot for Bailao, then uh, then you got a real problem if you're the Chow camp. Because one of the things that I think you can't really ignore – and I think this speaks a bit to Stephen's point, Uh, Olivia Chow seems to have a ceiling of around 30%. You know, she, despite being the person with the name recognition, as you talked about at the start, and despite being the person who's had kind of the front runner status the entire way along, has not managed to consolidate any additional vote behind her. She's, yes, she's up from those original polls, but not by a ton. And you start to think, Maybe this is as good as it gets for her. And if there is a late-breaking anybody-but-Olivia movement, well, then, you, then you've then you got to be a little bit worried.
0: Right? Carter, I've, I've called this election, I think in the, on this pod, certainly elsewhere, the 25-25 election, 25% to win, 25% voter turnout, if you're lucky. It, it seems to be yeah. one of those elections. Talk to me. I'm going to try to tease out a few interesting things um, that I found in this election through a series of these questions. The fine, fabulous, fuck frame. Carter, fine, fabulous, or fucked? The at least in this late stage, the very clear partisan involvement. The NDP sort of organizers obviously going to Olivia Chow. She's had a long history in the party. You got the liberal-ish organizers supporting Anna Bailao. And then you've now got the Saunders camp with, you know, the premier doing a voicemail drop for him as well, saying, listen, this is the guy. If you want to have a mayor in Toronto, this is the guy you gotta go for. Talk to me about the partisan ship. You might think it's fine. You might think it's fabulous, because why not? We've already got these built-in ecosystems of political organizing. Why not mobilize them to increase voter turnout in, some, in, a, in a by-election for mayor? Or you might think it's fucked, because we're actually uh, doing the opposite of what we should be doing in, in terms of civic and city issues, which don't necessarily lean left to right. Carter, fine, fabulous, or fucked, uh, the now very overt partisanship in the Toronto mayoral election.
2: I think it's absolutely fine. I think that partisans are always going to be involved in elections for no other reason than they seem to care more. So, you know, you're you're wearing your team's colors, sure. I mean, but at the same time, you're you're probably more likely to get out and vote. And I think that that's ultimately all that matters is will people actually get out and vote and and will they vote for for Chow or will they vote for, for someone else? Now the endorsements to me don't matter at all. We've, we've seen, you know, we've discussed endorsements uh, quite a bit. I I think that they're relatively useless um, but the organizers do matter to me. So I think it's absolutely fine. I think that having organizers on your side is better than not having organizers on your side. So, you know, perhaps Olivia Chow uh, will do really well with the NDP organizers that are out there and, or, you know we'll see if if they're able to organize this particular outcome that they need
0: Corey, we've seen a bit of strange bedfellowings in, in, this, in this election. We always see it in, in mayoralty elections, right? Folks that, that are usually on opposite sides of a partisan political campaign become good friends, or at least for the purposes of electing a mayoral candidate or a, a city council or a school board trustee, right? Or someone where you, you don't necessarily have to wear the jersey. We saw it in Ottawa with their mayoral. We saw it, of course, in Toronto. We've seen it in, in our city, Calgary, Edmonton, elsewhere. Partisans making themselves known, fine, fabulous, or fucked for the Toronto mayoral right now.
1: Um, maybe let's talk about what it is for the candidates. And it's tricky, right? It it might even veer towards fucked. Here's the thing. We are in an era of negative partisanship. We've talked about this. People Mm -hmm. tend to vote against political parties as much as they're voting for them, if if not more. And so one of the interesting things, I think, about this last... And again, wow, I mean, where was everybody two weeks ago? If the campaign had gotten to this point two weeks ago, it would be just such a different campaign. But you have one candidate endorsed by the sitting premier. You have one candidate so clearly, I mean, it's Olivia Chow for crying out loud. She is synonymous with the NDP. Of course. And then uh, you've got Baila. And what's interesting to me about the third name on that list as well, you know, my understanding is the Ontario liberal party apparatus is strongly behind her. You've also got the John Tory endorsement, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so you see sort of a breaking down of that. So, Uh, This is a long walk to get to the point where if you have one candidate that seems like they're associated with the New Democrats and one candidate that seems associated with the Conservatives and one candidate that's a little harder to pin down and maybe seems to be pan-partisan or non-partisan
0: just by – You're talking about bylaw in this this Bylaw in this situation, Yeah, Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Then it's being cut a couple of different ways, right? First of all, she's probably your person if you're a liberal partisan and in Toronto, that ain't bad.
2: Yeah, right? mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And then the second one is if you say, well, I don't want partisan politics to consume City Hall, she might also be your person. And, and so I guess the thing is, there's a little bit of game theory here. Like if everyone's partisan, well, then you're kind of locked into a paradigm everybody gets. But if some people are playing that game and some people are playing a different version of that game, I won't go so far as to say they're not playing that game. You know, it creates some interesting dynamics, particularly if you're sitting there as a voter trying to decide based on the cues you're getting from the various personalities at the provincial level, right? And federal level, or the parties more generally, I guess you could say. If you're looking for those cues, it, it's telling you an interesting story.
0: You know, Car, I'm, I'm going to abandon the fine, Fabulous Fucked framework for a half a second because Corey that sounds brings up, fine. I think. Uh, yeah, okay, perfect. You're following it. A- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome, hey Carter. Yeah, you you've ran a couple murals in the last handful of years, three four years. Yeah, right? like oh, a yeah. couple of significant yeah. murals. Yeah, Corey brings up a really interesting question. Why didn't the campaign get to where it was with the action of Ford voicemail drops, John Tory endorsement, lake breaking surge a couple of weeks ago? Is this is there like a new theory of the race that like us practitioners are missing out in terms of like the condensed final week? Is it something else? Is it just people were waiting for the first mover to go so that they could respond that they're like why are we sticking so close to the deadline for a movement here if if a John and listen the answer to the John Tory endorsement might be he said no, 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 and he eventually said yes because he saw that it was so close or whatever right? like there could be a story. but if we were taking all things as equal, why wait so late? Is there something going on in the world of politics around the final week, the final ten days? that we would perhaps expand out to, to even further. And I go to you first because your experience in the last two mural campaigns, you've run one in Calgary, one in Surrey.
2: Yeah, I think that there's a real misunderstanding of how um, information flows. I think that we've talked so much about how information flows on this podcast. You know, we, we keep pointing out how slow it is to make its way through the general public. And I think that sometimes these people... Th- you know, get a little high on their own supply and start thinking that they'll be able to um, really make an impact in the last few days. And, and if I, you know, if I came out too early, I wouldn't, you know, I won't have the same impact and and, and those types of kind of uh, ridiculous assertions. Um, but in so doing, they what they do is they rob their candidate of, of momentum. I mean, Corey mentioned the magic M word there, you know, Momentum is everything and getting it at the right time is essential. And I fear that what has happened is that people think, well, I'll wait till the last minute. And then when I do my endorsement, it will have the maximum impact. For my preferred candidate, not understanding that there's still a tremendous amount of churn in the water. Like, do you think that people were in Toronto this weekend? And maybe our listeners will, will text or email us or join our Discord on the uh, Patreon, which you can join for as little as $6 a month. I mean, it's really almost free.
0: Um, <laughs> almost all of it. Yeah. Went towards the development of our new TV show, yeah, Mustard Dogs. Yeah. It's,
2: it's, must, uh, mu- okay. You're it's going to be like the me.
0: Fireplace Network, but we're just going to have a hot dog with mustard on it. And we're gonna run it for twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, throughout the entire summer. Yeah, we're gonna find a channel that allows us to do that, Corey. And I, uh, yeah, counterproposal. Uh, okay, counterproposal. It's good. We Carter. start a hot dog cart yeah. called yep. Mustard Dogs. Yep. We offer
1: all sorts of chutneys from relish to to mango, up, man. whatever you I want like this. to put on I your like hot this. dog. You know what I
0: also like? And then to, like, just really give you a refreshing treat afterwards, we offer all types of melon. Watermelon, (laughs) cantaloupe, honeydew, and mustard, okay? The fourth melon in the melon family. I like this (laughs) gardener. I'm pretty yeah. happy
1: about that. Steven, you were making a point. Do you I have think, any though. sense of what it might though, have been? I think, would we have interrupted if he was? Would we have interrupted if Does he was? Does anybody have any sense of what my point is? Yeah, yeah, well, you're right. I mean, people come in at the last They want to so, come no, in at no, no, the last no, minute. No, let, Their let me, egos force
0: them to There's a bit of hubris. I, what totally. I heard from you, Carter, is that there's a bit of hubris here, that I can create my own weather system in the last couple of days. And in fact, that is part of it, that that if I drop it in an endorsement, or if we get John Troy to drop it in an endorsement, he creates a weather system, it's the conclusion. There's no other time for anyone else to get their point in, ergo we win. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that. I'm wondering if there's anything deeper. Corey, I want your take on this. You asked the question, I want you to try to posit an answer.
1: So I do think what Stephen said is is one of the forces that's driving us here. I, I 100% agree. There are so many people I've heard have some version of, well, now is not the time. We're going to leave that for the last minute. We're going to wow them on the last week, and we're going to do the big policy drop. It's just, it's kind of a... I think in some ways, it's like learning the wrong lesson from a truth that you've learned about politics, which is people do make decisions late, but you assume they make those decisions with perfect information as of that minute, because you assume they're like you. And while they're making that decision late, the information takes time to trickle to them, and that's the reality that forces you to have to make these bigger plays earlier. But to your point, is there something else going on here? Yeah, 100% there is. It's, Mm. It's the 11th hour phenomenon. Listen, if you've ever done any kind of negotiations, if you have ever been involved in politics in any way, shape or form, you know that there's this pressure at the 11th hour where you're like, something's got to give, something's got to change. I got to do something now, yeah. right? It's when status quos break down because you start to realize you're not going to get that time back. And um, that that's probably occurred to an extent here. People sat there hoping – i suspect, for many weeks, people who did not want Olivia Chow to be mayor, they hoped that it would become clear and somebody would come forward and that would be that and yeah, everybody would consolidate and there's no way they're going to vote for Olivia Chow. I'm sure that was a thought that many, many people had. And with a week left to go, they looked at those polls and they said, oh, fuck, Olivia Chow is going to be mayor. Guess I better do something if I don't want to do that. And the conversations are happening with the campaigns and they're putting more pressure on you. And they're also leaning on that ego and that notion that you can come in late and change things at the last minute. And then, hey, if you're John Tory, you make an announcement. Hey, if you're Doug Ford, you record a phone call because you just real, you feel the fact that you got to leave it on the field and you don't get to redo this when you get to the 11th hour. And so I think that's also part of it. I, I'm sure you saw this in your own campaign. You refused to talk about saying yeah, this desire to say, we don't get any more time. We better do something in the last day, two days, three days, four days, whether or not it makes any sense.
0: Carter talk to me about this. Um, Olivia Chow seems to be the only one that hasn't changed strategy, yeah. that hasn't dropped a new noteworthy tactic. Is that a mistake? No. Is, that, is Actually, let me ask, go back to our frame. Is that fine? Is that is that fabulous? She's the one sticking to strategy? Or is that fucked? If your key opponents, your, your, your second place and third place arguable opponents are getting key endorsements, they're trying to consolidate vote, they're trying to showcase strong ground operations, they're doing... The thing that Corey says, 11th hour effect, right? They're trying to make something go. Fine, fabulous, effect effective. Olivia Chow seems to be sticking to the script. And some might say that's protecting a 2-1 lead. Others might say it's sound strategy. Carter, where are you on it?
2: It's absolutely fine. I mean, when you're winning, don't change. You know, if if, if Olivia Chow is is got her own numbers, I'm mean, sure she's got her own internals, um, you know, you're doing fine. Don't fuck it up. Uh, don't suddenly become a new person. Like, what would she change? Like, she's got to... What she should be doing is the stuff behind the scenes that we always talk about, making sure you're getting your vote out, making sure that you've got all your your good IDs going, making sure that everybody is doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. Um, That doesn't show up in the gen pop. No No one's tracking that in the media. So if she's doing those things, then she is winning. That is the goal. That is the objective. So why would you... You know, suddenly take a brand new um, line that may show that you're panicking. It may show that you've, you know, oh my goodness, we have to do something new because John Tory just entered. Who the fuck cares? You're winning. Keep winning. Don't don't change. It's totally fine.
0: Corey, fine, fabulous, or fuck. She doesn't seem to be changing the strategy, at least to not in a big, public, noteworthy way in the final days where her opponents seem to be doing big, public, noteworthy tactical drops or tactical sort of uh uh, changes so to speak
1: i think we'll say fine as long as she wins but this is a question we would revisit and say fucked if she doesn't and we would probably point to the idea that she didn't bring in any additional i i think for me it wouldn't even be so much sound
0: strategy here this is what i'm trying to get at like what's the what's this rule here right like we sit here a day before what would the the normative rule on this be that's what i'm trying to get to well i'm not saying okay
1: first of all i i think that We should unpack what the normative rule is, but we should also acknowledge this is a 60-40 business, and sometimes the rule isn't what you need to do. But
2: it's the armchair quarterback, and that's why you're so good at this particular point, the armchair quarterback that says, well, we'll have to revisit it. The strategist says, what's the best thing? What's got the highest odds for us? And the highest odds is that you maintain your structure. If you were if so here's you were running a, If you're running a, a big organization, let's say, and you know your other, you were running your strategy and it was going really well. Would you suddenly change your strategy just because you know a smaller organization changed theirs? Probably not. Probably not.
1: So here's the point I wanted to make.
2: But mine was really is, good, is what you wanted
1: if to If we look on Tuesday and Olivia Chow has lost to Bailao, which, by the way, wouldn't shock me. Not at I all. I just want to no. say. Not, it would not shock me. I want to come back to that point point. in but It's such a massive field and there's a lot of people who will just say, my person doesn't have a chance. I'm, I'm anybody but Olivia, right? Um, but if that happens and we look back on it, we're going to say it's because there was this big shakeup and Olivia Chow didn't change her campaign at all. No, now, we're not. I'm... I'm not pundits saying will say that. that that's going we're to not happen, pundits. but that's a possibility.
2: That's not what we're going to say. What we're going to say is... When they're... you are
1: sitting and constructing a strategy, yes. Stephen, yes. you look for the fail points. And one of the ways we identify those fail points is by asking, if we have failed, why would we have failed? Right. I think we can agree to that.
2: And it will not be One of the be things because... that Olivia
1: Chow could have done, Because perhaps... she could have pulled
2: a fucking... What out of her ass? Like a, a wiener? Like some sort of, uh, I mean, you could dog. wait till the is end that... of my
1: sentence to hear oh. what, uh, what I'm saying. He she
0: could have done okay.
2: I'm sorry, my bad. I'm, I'd like to apologize yeah. to Zane. I'm just gonna, pre- I'm just gonna
0: predict he's not gonna like it, regardless of what you say. Go ahead, yeah, That's it. fair <laughs> point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> she could have found her own counterintuitive endorser, somebody who is more on the right, saying Olivia Chow is exactly who we need. It requires no I change pissed in strategy.
2: Her base. Oh, oh, sure, great idea. You Troy. think her base
1: is gonna oh, say, my okay, goodness. No, I'm out. Oh,
2: goodness. Have you met the NDP base? They're not—they're not the normal base. They're a—they're a challenging base. They're a challenging base, Corey. I mean, uh, so off track, so off track, so young, so so. Let full me of let hope. me let
0: me let me take us off track for a second because I want to get to the endorsements, which I know you, we've we've talked about, but let's talk about them. In you particular. would love
1: if you were in her campaign, you would love an endorsement like that. No, I wouldn't. You would.
2: I wouldn't take it. Yeah, you would. Uh, who, who would it be? I don't do endorsements. Have you been not paying attention? Jesus
1: ghost of Rob Ford
2: oh
0: <laughs> Carter, <laughs> that what's one the I would difference dig. that one what's the dig. difference practitioner wise and from your vantage point you don't have complete information but you have at least a understanding of a story Anna bylaw seems to be making a late breaking surge and I had she made a late breaking surge in 2010 what seems to be different
2: timing. We were a week, mm. a full week ahead on our at least a week ahead on our late breaking surge, um, the late breaking surge that comes this late. I mean, yeah, you can win the election next week, uh, but the uh, like that this is one of the reasons I love elections. saying I love elections because it happens now. Not next week. It doesn't happen. you know, it's not like product sales where you get to have another kick at the can uh, when someone else makes their product decision. Um, It's everybody votes on the same day, give or take. And that means that the decision needs to be made now. So if you start to have a surge at the wrong time, the fact that you had a surge is irrelevant. The only thing that matters is getting things right at the right time. And it's so hard. It's so hard to do. It's it's not like, you know, running a big comm shop for some government or something like that, where you can just kind of, <laughs> you know, wing it and hope just for drift. the best. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that stuff, that stuff's pretty straightforward. But elections, it's just on the day and you don't get a second chance. I love that. That's what I love.
0: Corey, I want to start with you on this one. Um, it's, it's Are leading into the like,
2: endorsements. just go right past that? Then? Well, well, we're we're gonna, we
0: just For, both shrugged. We both yeah, it's like, visibly it's shrugged. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's Corey, okay, hey Stephen. Tell me about this. We have not, I don't know if we've ever talked about this tactic. We'll, we'll get to the endorsement, the Ford and the Tory endorsements in a second. Ford used a voicemail drop, and I've never asked you about your practitioner take on a voicemail drop. Find fabulous or fucked is a political tactic in your mind. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Tell me why, Carter. You've probably used them in in in, in recent memory as well. I'm going to get to you on the same one. Fine, fabulous, or fuck that tactic. I, I don't know if we've ever discussed it, and might as well do it now.
1: Yeah, I mean, fine, maybe even fabulous in this context. But I want to be really clear: the tactic, whether it's good or bad, depends on your strategy, depends on mm-hmm. the, your audience, depends on a million other things. This is such a blown up like. There are going to be so many people tomorrow who are like, well, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. I, I think I'm going to vote for candidate number 18 on the ballot, but who the hell knows? There's so many of them. And to have somebody who can help clarify that for you, and by the way, delivered through a channel that generally uh, an older population, which generally skews conservative, is going to get. And they're going to get the, the voicemail of the, you know, the, the Premier of Ontario. That that kind of makes sense to me. Like, I, I think it works really well in this particular context because it will help clarify who conservatives are supposed to go to. You've got somebody who's a leader of conservatives. And when you've got a field of literally 100, it tells you who, uh, you know, conservatives should be rallying around. So that makes an awful lot of sense to me.
0: Carter, fine, fabulous, or fucked, voicemail drops.
2: They're absolutely fine. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, Corey nailed it. And there is no one more surprised than I am today. Uh, <laughs> he just, it was almost like he knew what he was talking about there for a few minutes. And well done, Corey. Way to pull it out Thank for you. the listeners. Way to pull it out.
0: Carter, can I stick with you on this one? Sure. Doug Ford endorsing Mark Saunders, the former Toronto police chief. Yeah. The sitting premier endorsing a candidate for mayor of the largest city in Toronto from its straight up democracy angle, fine, fabulous, or fucked in your mind.
2: Absolutely fine. I mean, Doug Ford gets to to do this. It comes with a cost, right? Like, it's not like it's cost free. Um, Doug Ford will uh, suffer some pain from the, it. I'm getting to the strategy and, in a second from
0: a democracy angle.
2: From a democracy angle. I, I mean, everybody gets to choose. Who, everybody gets to say who they support. No one is prohibited from that. And
0: I'm going I'm to get back to you on the politics. Okay. Let, me, let me get Corey on that answer. Corey, fine, fabulous or fucked. Doug Ford, straight democracy angle endorsing Mark Saunders.
1: I think it's fine. I I know there are people who think that he shouldn't be involved in this particular way, shape, or form, but the reality is he's a resident of... He was a counselor in Toronto. He he has an opinion about the place where he lives, and to pretend otherwise is a bit ridiculous. In some ways, isn't it better you know uh, those connections? And look, there is going to be benefits to the city of Toronto if Saunders becomes the mayor as a result of those connections, and there will be reasons why that should give you severe pause if you're a resident of Toronto, because there's going to be some pretty significant... Significant alignment with uh, provincial objectives, regardless of whether they actually support, or you could you could reasonably believe, right, Mm. that that you're going there. He's going to owe something to the premier, and a lot of the job of being mayor of Toronto is standing up to the premier of Ontario. So. Uh, you know, it, I don't have huge problems with it. I think that generally speaking, I'm not wild about pretending clearly partisan people are, don't have an interest in elections and don't have opinions about elections. Of course they do. How much they act on them, you know, it would I would feel a little different about it if he used, you know, uh, the government of Ontario. I'd feel a lot different about it if he used the government of Ontario's resources yeah. to advocate for uh, you know, for him. But that's not the situation we're in right now. We're talking about his voice as a political leader being used.
0: Corey, I'm going to stick with you on this one. It's the political cost. Tell me about it. Po- uh, Doug Ford's uh, political calculus here. Fine, fabulous, or fucked. It doesn't seem like... This is not one of those evergreen episodes. This all will be resolved, at least in terms of yeah, the outcome on Monday. Yeah, thanks for doesn't, this. Doesn't seem like Saunders is going to win, right? third or fourth in the polls, right? Like If you're looking at a series of these polls, that's where it seems like he's going to land. Um, If he's not going to win, political calculus for Ford, fine, fabulous, or fucked, in terms of what he's able to see right now.
1: You know, it's interesting, because one of the reasons why premiers don't do this shit is not because of democracy, it's because they have to work with whoever wins. And it becomes a uh, bit of a challenge when you're first meeting with, say, Mayor Chow, as you walk in, and it's like, yeah, I I endorsed your opponent, right? Like that's, that's not necessarily going to set you up for a warm and fuzzy conversation, at least in theory. I think one of the things about Doug Ford that his opponents hate to admit, but I, I think I will just call out, is that... He can kind of get away with that. Like, it it sort of matches his shtick pretty good. I can easily imagine him going like, oh, geez, Olivia, I mean, you know I'm a conservative. Of course I was going to vote for a conservative. But you're here now, and we're all here for the people of Toronto. So we're going to figure it out. And by God, I'm going to work as hard as I can with you. And we got this strong mayor thing happening now. And God, I can't wait to see what we could do for the people of Toronto. Like, he could pull that off a little bit more, I think, than saying... Uh, You know, somebody who's seen as more of a Machiavellian force, more calculating. Uh, I'll use Jason Kenney. Like, if Jason Kenney came in after endorsing somebody, like, say Jason Kenney had endorsed Jeremy Farkas and then had to work with Jody Gondek. he can't pull that shit off. Like, he can't, you know, like, so who you are also affords you certain things in those meetings going forward. And I, I actually don't think that the cost will be huge because I think it's costed in. I think it's costed in both in. Everybody assumes that this is generally where Doug Ford's going to be and you know it's just like it's not going to shock Olivia Chow that Doug Ford didn't vote for her.
0: Carter, it's it's interesting because in, in a couple of ways, number 1, the Ford Tory Chow Triad also ran for mayor. All three of them ran for mayor yeah, in, in a yeah. recent race where, where Tory won. <laughs> yeah. Number two, it also speaks to you know, if you were to tell me during the pandemic that Doug Ford would win an election handily and have coattails to even endorse in the city of Toronto there on after, I'd tell you you were you were you were nuts. But here we are, Carter. But give me your political calculus. Fine, fabulous, or fuck for, for Ford here. Is it costed in, as Corey says, or is a Saunders loss actually quite difficult for him in, in, in a certain way?
2: I mean, I was so impressed by Corey, and then he just throws it all away. And, <laughs> you know, it's not just going into the mayor's office and saying, I, I I endorsed your opponent. It's It's recognizing the weakness of your positions in Toronto right? It it is, I, I, the guy I endorsed can't get over 14% in the city of Toronto. Um, where exactly am I? How, how strong am I? Doug Ford is, is the new leader of Toronto, Olivia Chow. Oh, right?
1: no. So I would have agreed with you, Steven, except for the fact that he fucking ran for mayor and lost. Like, I think we know Doug Ford is not the Doug pick of Ford, the of Toronto.
2: You know, he's, he's been able to, to resurrect himself to Zane's point, which is again, awkward to acknowledge. And he's, he's in a position where he is seen as, you know, he, Almost an affable loser, you know, kind of kind of fellow, and and he's he's fine. he's he's just kind of you know he's fine. and then he's going to go throw away his political capital to Saunders of all people, who I think isn't is going to be really hard pressed to break fifteen percent of the vote.
0: Carter, I, I want to get. To this last point around endorsements and the Tory endorsement, yeah. and I'm going to try to—I don't want to take too long of a walk, but I, I want to kind of use the term you just used, which is political capital. Yeah, John Tory said he's needs to work on his life, work on his family. I'm paraphrasing, right? But he said something like that when he when he stepped aside yeah. after those um, the the reporting came out. About I heard that his, Corey
2: wrote uh, that for him. It was really good, Corey.
0: Carter, is there a conflation between political capital and just like outright, you know, sort of capital that he needs in order to let the people of Toronto know that he's kind of taken his time, he can come back in the political orbit, so to speak, um, because he puts himself out here, like literally months after saying he's not going to get involved, you know, he's going to stick aside, they've asked him these questions, he's like, nope, 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 not going to get involved, and then gets involved. Yeah. So uh, it goes down to the same sort of political calculus question for John Tory. Uh, but maybe with a slight bent on like John Tory the person, less so John Tory the politician. The political calculus for him to make this endorsement fine. Fabulous or fucked?
2: I think it's fine for him. I think that his huh. he doesn't have he's not going to have a next act in political in politics. This is his his act is over, and I think he's Stephen
0: Carter prediction. I don't I don't know, man. Do you? Th- I don't know. Do you Carter. think
2: he has a next act? Like where does he come from? Like. What does he do? He's done in politics in Canada. I mean, maybe he goes on to see you out to four yeah, years yeah, from
1: now and he's Jesus prime Christ.
0: minister. You're like, it's you've made this you happen. Politics.
2: Oh, he's Carter. done he's in politics.
0: Le- leader of the Bloc Quebecois. Aren't, aren't we all
2: going to be leader of the Bloc Quebecois? I mean, he's done. So this is his last gasp to try and keep what he feels is some sanity. And I think that that's why he's chosen to endorse the way he has. I think that he was a late comer to this because he he really just doesn't want Olivia Chow to be the mayor, and he's trying to stop that. I think that that's his only calculation. Uh, I think he's coming at it from his from his own personal bias, his own personal point of view, and we can agree or disagree. But that's why he's doing it.
0: Tori, yeah. fine fabulous for fuck for John Tory this this endorsement for Adam bylaw. I I mean, it's somewhere between fine and fucked. It's
1: certainly not fabulous for him because, of course, he's he's doing the thing that he said he wasn't going to do, which was get involved in the mayoral race. But I can imagine that, again, this is the 11th hour phenomenon. Emotions are ratcheted really high. People are now talking about the stakes in near apocalyptic terms. Like, Uh the amount of reporting and conversations I've had with people in Toronto who are like, oh my god, and if Olivia Chow gets these strong mayor powers, literally, like, streets will be torn out for public gardens to be put in you know like like there's just like there's a lot of extreme emotions around this right now and those extreme emotions do have a habit of filtering back to people in funny ways and one of them is i have no doubt there are people around john Tory saying you have to do this you have to do this and in fact some probably even going further and saying things like we're in this ship because of you Right. You owe it to the city of Toronto to make sure we don't have Olivia Chow as mayor because the sky will fall, John. The sky will fall on your fat fucking head, your fat, adulterous head, John. So you come out now and you fix this, John.
2: Just for the record, then, you know, the Strategist Podcast does not believe that John Tory has a fat fucking head. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but we but we do believe that I, they, sodium listen, and excess I was, sodium I was does using cause pat head.
1: Yeah, yeah. you got to watch and out for that. So not too much mustard, mustard, not too, not many, too many dogs. dogs. That's yeah. true.
0: Go ahead, Corey, yeah,
1: please. But again, that's not me. That's the person yelling at John Tory saying that. Okay. But there are going to be people who are going to be putting pressure on him saying, you have to do something. I know you said you wouldn't, but you have to do something. Now, whether things are actually that apocalyptic, uh, let me tell you from a few provinces mm-hmm. over – doesn't really feel like it, but that's the emotions that you get. We just don't like the Danielle Smith. Election. It
2: feels pretty fucking apocalyptic. So, <laughs> you know, he's calmed down. Yeah. The, calm down.
1: From a few provinces <laughs> over, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure you guys will figure it out. Uh, you, you're still there. You, uh, sir, Carter, uh,
0: Carter, that was a light 40 minutes on the Toronto mayoral election. Anything else you want to talk about there? I've got a few other fine, fabulous or fuck to, to roll through.
2: Oh, no, Zane. I let the uh, show be in your hands, uh, because you're the one we follow.
0: Fabulous or fucked for the federal liberals. Meta is planning to end news access to Facebook and Instagram in Canada. They said they were going to do it. Now they're saying again they're going to do it. This is, of course, in response to Bill C-18, where the government tries to save news, tries to save journalism, trying to bring back jobs. It seems like it was a noble mission. But not, not not, kind of saying it's it's, it's over here for the liberals, but Meta saying that this is it. We're planning to have news access on Facebook and Instagram in response to this legislation that would require us to pay news publishers. Fine, fabulous, or fucked for the liberals? Is this a, fi- a fight that they want? Is this showing their principles? Is this fighting big tech as they wanted it? Many areas to discuss, but your top line. Fine, fabulous, or fucked for the liberals, Carter.
2: It's absolutely fine. And there's two reasons why. Number one, they went through this in Australia, and guess what? Meta caved. Meta's gonna cave again. So it's it's fine. And the second thing is maybe we just need to see more of our aunt's pictures. Maybe we need fewer people commenting on the news on Facebook. It's turned out to be an absolutely horrific way of spreading news and spreading information. So maybe. Maybe it should just be for our aunt's pictures. You know, I, I I posted a picture on the Discord today. Maybe I should have put it on Facebook. You know, Discord, you can get access for only $6 a month through our lowest tier, which is called Advisor to Zane. You could have advised him to do a different segment, but you chose not to. Well done. See, Corey,
0: fine, fabulous fucking liberal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jesus um, Christ.
1: You know what? It's. I have a hard time sort of separating the fact that I think the Online News Act is a bad piece of legislation. I don't think it's particularly good. The um, The reality is when you post something on Facebook, right? You know, there's a little picture and there's the headline and there's the text. You know... The news organizations actually go to great trouble to make sure that shows up really beautifully and presents properly. And if they don't want to do that, they can actually, through the same meta tags, shut it down so that nothing shows up when it's being shared. The fact of the matter is the news organizations have been desperate to have their content shared over social media. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Maybe that was a bad choice, but it was their fucking choice. It was their choice as organizations, and they did it. And it's not as though anybody held a gun to their head as much as we pretend otherwise now through things like the Online News Act. They retooled their entire operations towards this. And again, that was a choice. A lot of other organizations decided, no, we're going to paywall things, right? But the Canadian ones said... Uh, we'll give a bunch of free articles and we'll make it super easy to share on social media and hopefully it'll all work out despite our content continually getting a little bit more tragic as we continue to lay off, you know, news personalities everywhere across the coast. Oh. All right. Well, maybe there's more foundational problems there and maybe uh, we're kind of aiming our fire at the wrong people. That's, that's my first thought on C18, the Online Corey. News Act. That's why.
2: Corey, it was Google who sponsored us, not yeah, Meta, so we can say whatever we want.
1: Okay. oh, that's good. I, I
2: <laughs> You can you don't have to be nice to Meta. It was Google. So,
1: that's that's good. Yeah. But that's my personal feeling about it. I don't oh, like the online That was news actually
2: ad. your opinion? Holy yeah. shit. I'm sorry. I interjected incorrectly. Okay.
0: Yeah, no. Thank you, Carter, for that uh, uh, for that fine piece of uh, interjection which was apologies. like most interjections that you make um, not necessary. I misunderstood.
2: <laughs> I misunder I thought he was doing well, that because so, Google. Hey, hey man. So that's
1: my yeah. C18 side. The other side is I just don't think that, you know, I particularly like the idea of tech giants like Meta pushing around the Canadian government either. So that's a bit of a challenge for me. So hey.
2: do you do you feel like. Great of both sides uh, that guy- one, Hogan. That was great. Rod- Rod- Rodriguez on this Thank
0: one. Thank you. The minister, Cor- uh, Corey, I'll, I'll start with you on this, um, frames this in the in the fighting against the tech giants bucket right? Like, this is the saving news, fighting against the tech giants. This is jobs. This is, you know, all the, all, this is the and, and, and legislation. Do you feel like fighting the tech giants is the right frame in your mind? Like, do you feel like that's the most effective no. frame here? I'm very curious, because there's many that he could choose from. He goes with that one. I get why he goes with that one with their larger than life monopoly powers, their sort of implications of democracy. But is it the right frame in your mind?
1: No, I don't. Because ultimately, I think that's a fairly cerebral frame that people Mm. talk about the threats to democracy are are ultimately not the people who are going to decide whether this government lives or dies. It's the people who say, why the fuck is Google News not working now? Why the fuck is Facebook broken for me, but it's working just fine for my aunt down in Milwaukee? Ah, that Trudeau, goddammit, has wrecked another thing here. I mean... This is the uh, reality. You're, you're, you're putting these high-minded arguments on and you're going to get total flack from people who actually don't give a shit. And they just know that the Canadian government is now breaking the products that they know and like and love. And so, so that's a challenge, I think, for the government in terms of politics.
0: Uh, before you jump in, Carter, uh, some Milwaukeeans may look at you strangely if you pronounce the L in their city's name. For many natives, the name Milwaukee is not Milwaukee. Thank you, Carter. Um, over to you. Thank you. Just uh, this is, just, uh, this is a random uh, tidbit. Um, it's uh, good. I like po- it. Pointed at absolutely no one uh, on this podcast, <laughs> Carter. Yeah. Right frame. No. Battling the tech giants. What would you have gone? With? What would you have gone with?
2: You, if you're going to say you're battling the tech tech giants, then you actually have to uh, step up to the bar and name them, because battling the tech giants doesn't tell us anything, right? If you want to go after Mark Zuckerberg. That you know, go after the people that are personified, that are actually the the people that you're wishing to fight, but they're they're too afraid to do that. They're too afraid to say, you know, Zuckerberg broke our news ecosystem, uh, so we are going to go after him and we're going to try and put this ecosystem back together now that he's already broken it. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It may be in fact impossible, but we're going to try. Um, but he's not going to do that. He's not going to name names. He's not going to point fingers because naming names and pointing fingers is how you get into trouble. And so he's going to say things like, well, we're battling the tech monopoly. And I don't know what that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know why we're talking about it. And I think that people need to be, if you're going to pick a, an enemy, pick an unpopular enemy. If you want an enemy right now, you know, you can pick, I'm just going to throw it out there. Elon Musk, Blade on us, Elon Musk right? Elon Musk and, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg are two, you know, and then throw in Bezos just for fun. The three of them, you know, like not very popular people. You could go after them massively. You could go after Bezos for his environmental challenges that he's creating with Amazon. You can go after, like if you want to, but you don't want to because you're afraid. And so you're not going to. And therefore you say words like tech giants, which frankly just Totally erodes your message and makes it nearly impossible for people to comprehend or buy into.
0: Coy, I'm going to start with you on this next one. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Do you know who that is? I'm this guy. Unfortunately, I think oh, yeah, we yeah. all do. Same oh, thing. Okay, we go. So yeah. there we go. The he looks Democrat. So good with that
2: his is... t-shirt off. Have you noticed? <sighs> I,
0: I've unfortunately noticed. Yes, Carter. This is He's the. Uh, this is the Democrat. This is the Democrats. This is part of the Kennedy lineage. He is running for the Democratic nomination in the United States against Joe Biden. He's polling somewhere near twenty percent, seemingly not going to be making many waves, but is making waves this week, Carter, because he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's a he's an anti-vaxxer, a longtime conspiracy theorist, and Joe Rogan has offered a any virologist to come in and debate. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And this has kind of started a, a, a media narrative where where folks are saying, on one side, no, science is not to be debated. You don't debate a conspiracy theorist. You don't debate someone who is uh, opposed to the science. And others saying, you know what? This is exactly how you put someone in their place, someone who comes with a, a long list of conspiracy theories and misinformation. You debate them to put them into place. Carter, fine, fabulous, or fucked to debate someone like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., a mainstream conspiracy theorist from the Democrats, which I think is quite fascinating in its own right as, as a makeup, fine, fabulous, or fucked to debate RFK Jr.
2: It's absolutely fucked. I mean, first of all, you have to recognize how people's minds are changed and how people make decisions. And if we go to the end first, right, which and the end is that we we would prefer that fewer people held held these positions. Uh, if if we start at that end then you can absolutely not debate Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, it just adds more smoke to the fire. It, it adds more confusion. And we know of all kinds of psychological effects that happen when we try and do this. Instead of getting people to believe us just because our well-reasoned argument really hit all the boxes, it actually has a backfire effect. It pushes people the wrong direction. And there's absolutely no reason for us to to propel these ideas any further um, yes at some point we we should try and find a uh, a tonic uh, uh, some sort of uh, something that creates remission of this great epidemic of of people believing in conspiracies but we're not going to do it on a debate stage and we're certainly not going to do it on a debate stage hosted by Joe fucking Rogan like come on let's just this isn't serious talk for serious people
0: Corey, here's here's a take from from the New York Times opinion section. In the year 2023, the idea is that Kennedy champions are not obscure. They clearly have influence over millions of Americans who have declined the vaccine. The man himself is a famous figure and already has access to many prominent platforms. Debating him is what you need to do to put him in his place. God. Corey?
1: Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have a debate right now with my friend Stephen Carr. Stephen's gonna be a normal human being, and I'm gonna oh. be a not normal human
0: being. I'm gonna illustrate. Oh, we're gonna do some role play. Yeah, this we're gonna a... do a little bit of role okay, play here. Okay, Carter, you're you're a theater so, major, so yeah. yeah. Well, part,
2: believe Carter. me, this is Stephen, a stretch for me for normal. Stephen, okay.
1: so glad that you're willing to have a conversation with me about the lizard people at the center of the earth.
2: Yeah,
1: and, and you say there's no lizard people at the center of the earth. You want to explain this position?
2: There are no lizard people at the center of the Earth.
1: Well, I mean, there, there clearly are. I've talked to 18 reputable scientists, all of which have validated my views that there are lizard people in the center of the Earth.
2: Well, my scientists tell me that that's not possible because the Earth is, you know, made of molten lava and those types of things.
1: So it sounds like a bit of a disagreement among scientists. And, you know, you seem to think that you've got this monopoly on truth. But my scientists say that there are lizard people in the Earth. And and you refuse to even acknowledge the possibility that there are lizard people in the earth. Don't you think that's a little suspicious, Stephen?
2: Well, I mean, we don't know everything, as you know. Science is something that we are. So you're
1: all really conceding the fact that there might be lizard people in the earth. That's quite a walk down. I didn't. I didn't concede thirty seconds ago. Well.
2: Honestly, I think that there aren't any, but you know, yeah. I mean, we don't just we don't reject ideas just out of hand. Are you
1: lizard personologists? Because the people I've been talking to are lizard peopleologists. We
2: don't actually recognize in science that particular realm of the of expertise. Oh,
1: so now you're gatekeeping who's a scientist? Well, you know, these people went to school for a very long time, and just because they disagree with your so-called mainstream science,
2: it's molten lava. Lizards can't live. Where there's molten lava, I'm just trying. Oh to, yeah, I'm gonna put that fact so, out there one more time. I don't want to upset you. I, I respect you and your views, Corey. I always have.
1: There you go. So here's the problem, Zane. One person can be a lying sociopath, and and what wait, we're actually so wait, testing are there, are, there
2: lizard, are, there, are there
1: lizard, people. Now <laughs> you're wondering, right? Now you're wondering. I'm here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, a debate, as we are generally talking about it, which is two blowhards talking on a podcast, as this would be with the Joe Rogan yeah. experience. Not uh, us. Are you We're, describing I mean, our podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not enough muscle milk to go around on this podcast.
1: <laughs> it It is a test of rhetoric as much as anything else. There's sure. no, there's nothing that stops and says, hey, wait a minute, is that fucking true? And so where I agree with the New York Times is, yeah, I think you have to, confront these things head on and you have to have conversations about them but the format has to be considered here and the format cannot be joe fucking rogan sitting there and scoring points the
2: cigar. on whether
1: lizard person or normal person is right you know like that just can't be the thing you can here's another i'm gonna throw a crazy notion at you here's a way to have a debate bobby kennedy jr write down all of your bullshit ideas in a piece of paper and I'll write back on a piece of paper why every single one of them is wrong. That's a debate. That is. Why can't we have
2: that debate? It's a good debate. That's actually one where we can look things up and cite things,
1: Yeah, talk we can have about experts it. Experts weigh in on whether oh. things make sense. You wow. Know? We're <laughs> not just going to
0: rely on rhetorical flourishes here. You know what's interesting about in this? In fairness, Bob, a- he
2: doesn't have any rhetorical flourishes. I
0: mean, <laughs> Carter, you you studied, like, uh, the, the rhetoric of persuasion, or you, you, yeah. you are, you're a student of it, right? I wouldn't
2: classify myself as an expert, but yes, I do study it.
0: Is of, okay, so if it's not a debate, it's, Corey's idea is an interesting one, right? Like, if you want to have, how do, someone whose perspective, who's someone who's well-known, yeah. whose perspective is shared by millions, right? Who, who currently now has the platform to um, uh, spread that information to even more people. The current strategy says, if it's not a debate, which many people are arguing, right, we just let this guy be himself. We let him continue to flourish, right? So as someone who's like, if, if you're if you're like advised to, to strategize on this, and knowing, you know, and being a student of, of persuasive story- storytelling, is the answer to just say, if it's not a debate, you just let him go do his thing? And has that been kind of a mistake of the mainstream to just let it flourish and not try to... Uh, try to comment on it or, or and, and kind of leave it in quarantine, being like, ah, we can't touch that. We can't touch that. That's not going to be something we touch. Because that seems to be the other side of the argument. You don't touch conspiracy theorists. Leave these fucking people alone. Is that a mistake from a from a political strategy, persuasion strategy perspective, Carter? It
2: has proven to be a societal mistake to leave uh, conspiracy theorists to have and harbor their own conspiracies. Um, that has proven to be a societal mistake. We are... Uh, worse off today than we were um, in the past when 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 our conspiracies were much more contained. Our conspiracies about you know. Uh, the Roswell, our conspiracies about uh, the JFK assassination, our conspiracies about whether Elvis was alive or not. These are the conspiracies of my youth. Um, And now they have morphed into, you know, the Las Vegas shooting was, you know, a false flag operation by the U.S. government. Um, You know, 9-11 was another fall. I mean, they love their false flags. Pizzagate, you know, that there was a uh, in the basement of a pizzeria, a children's sex trafficking ring. Um, they're just they're spreading faster, but the the core remains the same. People are willing to believe the incredib- incredible, right? They choose to believe the incredible, and we still don't necessarily have a single tonic where you know we 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 sprinkle a little of this tonic and people suddenly believe things that aren't true. I would hazard a guess that we each believe something. Um, that is probably not true that verges on something like a conspiracy theory. Like Corey believes that the Washington Wizards will be stronger after today's trade. It just isn't true. <laughs> it just isn't true. But it, it gives them the true. opportunity to rebuild. Yeah, I but that's it's, it's clearly true. Yeah, but yeah. that that type of um it, it's just how dangerous these things become and the real danger in them isn't frankly. That your mother believes this, and she's talking to her friends, or that your brother, you know, is is talking about this when he goes to t- to see his barber. The, the the problem is when when the people of power, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the the Donald Trumps, the Lauren Boberts, when government takes these positions and grabs them because it it is a use, useful tool to manipulate the masses. That's the problem. And again, we don't have a tonic.
1: No, I, I mean, but there, there are a lot of things that we can do. And I think in many ways, we just need to lean a little bit harder into them. So Stevens talked a lot about the fact that this is just a reality of human existence. There are people who believe conspiracy theories. And yes, they propagate now. And yes, they seem a little more harmful now. Although I remember hearing false flags about Timothy McVeigh, you know, and the Oklahoma City bombing. I remember... You know, Waco, well, that's a weird one, so maybe... But, like, the point being, as long Mm -hmm. as we have had these conversations, there have been these conversations around the conversations about what's really happened. And a lot of psychologists will tell you this is because this is how people get kind of control of their lives. They get the sense, like... I am on the inside on a truth that you're not, and that gives me a sense of power and a sense of worth, and that validates my worldview, and I know it and you don't, and the whole thing just meshes really well with my ego. Pretty fucking awesome. Why wouldn't I want to believe these things? And yeah, that's a that's a problem, and I think we've got to unpack that in a hundred different ways. But one of the most imminent or immediate ways we need to unpack this, I suppose, is We've got to know that there are different rules for debating a liar than somebody who's generally Mm. going to be trying to tell the truth. And we've got to stop debating liars as though they are good faith arguments and that we can have the same, you know, uh, rules of engagement. You know, like the the Marcus rules of like boxing here. Like this is all going to be just fine as long as we just get in a ring with them because that's not fucking the case. And uh, you know what you do with a liar? You've probably done this in your life somewhere. I'm going to implore my listeners to think about this. You work with someone, you don't feel they're telling the truth, what do you do? You paper them. You start putting things in emails. You start recapping conversations. You start saying, so if I did this, you agree that we would meet the condition here. So if I managed to prove this thing was not true, Bobby Kennedy Jr., you would agree then that there was a problem with your vaccine uh, argument. And then, of course, they won't want to be pinned down. They're going to say, well, no, and they'll move the goalposts. and you'll say, well, hold on, let's just all agree on terms here. You do it in paper. You do it in a concrete way. You do it slowly. You don't give them kind of the flash and chaos that a real-time debate provides them. There are ways to have these conversations without giving them, like, a Joe rogan experience 30-minute flash dance. Like, nobody needs that, okay?
0: Nobody needs that. There's been some really— Carter, anything you want to share with Corey's listeners?
2: Yeah, Thank you. There's been some really interesting work done with flat earthers on this. And flat earthers have um, been asked, you know, to, to set the goalposts and then work using their own instruments to prove that, you know, the Earth is flat. And they keep finding this um, statistical anomaly, I think they call it, that, the you know, they've got a 15 degree um, curvature kind of situation. I don't understand it. I'm not going to try and explain it because they're fucking flat earthers.
1: Yeah, the Earth is round. But it turns That's out the right, Earth is round.
2: And, um, and that they keep finding that and they keep discovering that, but they keep thinking that their science is wrong because they have to hold so true to their belief. And and at the risk of offending both of you who I know are religious, this also ties into our desire for religion. Right. The the desire to have these things, the you know, if if we were to take away certain brand elements of different religions and put them forward, people would have a difficult time agreeing with them. But as soon as we put them into a a single package, we're now in a group that believes them. And that's the other thing. The group dynamics is absolutely essential to being able to figure out how to break these things apart, because as long as there's a group and as long as there's an Internet, there's going to be a group. So as long as there's a group, people will always choose to believe these things.
1: Yeah, but I guess my point would be when you start having that conversation at work with the coworker via email who is just being kind of a liar about things, you're not actually doing it for them. You're doing it for other people. Like, you're Mm. doing it for an audience. But if you and I, for example,
2: Corey, could agree that virgins don't give birth. I think that we – you know, like, could you agree that (laughs) – that virgins don't. Sure, yeah. Okay. Well, you, you just said okay. he's
0: religious, so I don't know. There might be one exception to that rule. <laughs> I'm just but, okay, saying. <laughs> keep going.
2: Like, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> if we agree on that point.
0: Wow, you're making I Texas mean, religion
1: right now. It's fine. I okay. Wow. Listen, <laughs> okay. What a weird fucking wow. curve this is taking. What a great
2: episode. This is probably our best work, guys.
1: I'll tell you. But it's an inoculation oh, strategy at a certain.
2: Oh, but you know we come back to inoculation strategy. How many times have we talked about inoculation strategy? One of the best and most important things is making sure that people don't feel this way, and before they start to find these things, make allow them to find positive groups. Um, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole another theory of 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 uh, group dynamics. that says since we've lost religion in a large way. This has actually pushed people into different groups to find meaning in a new, different, and new and different way. So, you know, th- th- there's all kinds. I'm gonna of ways.
0: I'm, just, I'm gonna move it on here before we before we I mean? move on. Uh, just a small, stuff. Uh, t- just uh, just a small plug for uh, uh, for Islam. Uh, it's a faith uh, that is uh, very welcoming. Uh, Carter, fine, fabulous, or fucked. This is a series Islam? of
2: questions. We can't that do that.
0: No, we can't oh, oh, okay.
2: We can't do that. I'm not uh, allowing
0: it. Depends on your audience. depends who you are. It's very situational. Okay. There's a very Cory Hogan answer for you for 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 Islam. Uh Carter, yeah. Vox Pop Labs. This is the company that publishes vote compass across the country. There was a screen cap here oh, in, in Alberta um uh, where on a standard Likert scale, Corey, this was strongly disagree to strongly agree, don't know someone agree neutral someone disagree right like those standards sort of yeah. that's the, that's the scaling they had a list of questions
2: oh my god you're going to make my head explode or, zane my head's going well, to explode keep going i'm going
0: this is uh, this okay. okay here we go i'm going to just read these questions out women should be cherished and protected by men most women fail to appreciate all, all that men do for them a good woman should be set on a pedestal <sighs> by her man most women in uh, in Interpret. Innocent remarks or acts as being sexist. Many women have a quality or purity that few men possess. Women seek to gain power by getting control of men. Strongly agree. Strongly disagree. Somewhat disagree. Neutral. Somewhat agree. Strongly agree. Don't know on all these questions. Carter, the simple act of asking these questions... Are you able to ask these questions? This is a survey. You're trying to glean some insights. Find fabulous or fuck that these questions find themselves in in a survey. I don't have the- It's absolutely fine.
2: It's absolutely fine. I mean, we ran into this exact- First of all, Melanie Thomas, researcher at the University of Calgary, I think University of Calgary, chose to put these questions in because she's a fucking professional. Because she understands how to get at at help. And and people always ignore. They ignore there is a strongly fucking disagree on the Likert scale. It's not how much do you agree with the following statements. It's literally there's a fucking strongly disagree. You don't have to agree. This is a professional researcher doing professional work in a professional environment and I was all over the Discord on this. Don't join the fucking Discord. Don't join Patreon. Don't spend your six dollars because you'll wind up with these people who followed this and they all had to have a remedial lesson in the Dunning Kruger effect because they weren't they didn't know enough to get down off their fucking eye horses atop the peak of Mount Stupid. But it's okay. I'm fine. There's some great work. Read Jonathan Haidt, The Righteous Mind. Look at his moral foundations. Take a look at the questions. Researchers around the world use these types of questions to really see what's happening underneath the surface. And if you can't understand that, read a fucking book.
0: Wow. Uh, Thank you, Carter. Speaking of uh, men on high horses, Islam. uh, You know what? Fuck it, Carter. I don't even want to give Corey an opportunity to answer this. Corey, let's move it on to our over under in our lightning round. Corey Hogan, we have to ask you. Actually, you know what? I want to ask you a second, but I'm going to ask you first because you could you could set the because we, do this, the, we, do, we do this for me. we do always done this. We do this. Well, we do this for Carter, but we'll see why we do it for Carter in a second. Corey, <laughs> I
2: had a little rant there. I feel bad. Well, you know, Carter. I feel like your rant I took Corey's fine. opportunity. Your rant was fine,
0: and it allowed me to talk okay. about uh, talk about the the holy faith of Islam, which uh, which I feel like this okay. has been a 1,078 episode journey towards uh, for many of us. Corey, Olivia Chow. Will she be a mirror Monday evening? Oh. God. Oh God. I'm glad you
2: went to uh,
1: I mean the smart money says yes, so I'm gonna take the long shot and I'm gonna say no. Carter, Levy
0: Chapel should be Mayor on Monday? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Mayor on Monday, Carter?
2: Um Saunders. Bullsh- wow. oh, okay, okay based, now i'm based just on pulling by. shit out of my ass i mean i, okay, think, okay, I, I think
1: i'll tell you what it's based on it's based on the fact i don't think i've heard him say by name once i can't in say Bailau's
2: name that's why <laughs> you nailed it that's <laughs> it congratulations to what well, okay. too many vowels uh, all together very confusing. okay carter forget you just
0: okay well uh, just forget her name yeah how would you have said it bailey <laughs> are bailey it's a great.
2: Perfectly normal. I mean I grew up with uh, <laughs> okay. Private Bailey and the uh, in the in the comics.
0: I'm sorry, you're going to say Bailey's perfectly normal, but what's bylaw
2: too, many vowels, perfect, per, <laughs> too perfect, many vowels. Perfectly normal. It should have been perfectly normal. Do you know how long it took me to pronounce no, Zane?
0: Gained, properly? I, no, no. Zane, I, oh my I God. was going Zane. I just gave zan, it to you. All you had to say was perfectly zan. normal. All you had to say her name was perfectly normal. Now everyone knows that Bailey is perfectly normal, but Bylaw has too many letters. Too okay. many
2: vowels. It's vowels. <laughs> I get vowels. confused by vowels. Well,
1: well vowels Cutter's are been our a spare letter. Yeah, <laughs> 1078 episodes. It.
0: We're just serving serving it to you, Carter. Just serving it to you. Jesus fucking Christ.
2: Hey, Great Carter. episode, guys. This is my favorite episode. Okay, well, we're not done
0: yet. We oh. still got a bit more. <laughs> Are we still um,
2: recording? I thought it was over. Okay.
0: Carter. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're Premier Higgs right now, what advice would you have for him? Another cabinet minister resigns on Friday. Is it to just call the question go for an election? Is he digging himself a bigger hole? Give me some advice for Premier Blaine Higgs.
2: Former Premier Higgs.
0: I like what you did there, Corey. What's the advice you're giving him right right now? Is it to just call the question? If you want to run an election on this, enough dithering on it, just do it. What raw Machiavellian, straight down the middle political advice are you giving this guy now that he's gone down this track?
1: Geez, Premier, I don't know, but if you talk to Stephen Carter, he's got some interesting
0: ideas. Carter, seriously though, would you tell him to? Would you tell him to just call an election if you want to do it, buddy? Just call the election on this question. Absolutely not. He's going to lose.
2: I mean, you don't call an election when you're going to lose. That's like the first rule of politics. And he's going to lose. The question is never going to be uh, the one that has been crafted about uh, trans kids. Uh, First of all, it was a fucking horrible question anyways. And secondly, it's going to be about his leadership. And his leadership uh, is led has led a party you know to lose uh what a th- a third of their cabinet now or maybe not a third but certainly certainly a quarter of the cabinet has stepped aside i mean dude you're you're done the, the only thing you can do is is say you're sorry and try again and uh, i don't think you get that many cards um where you can try again in in politics in this in this particular era
0: you think you think that he's got no opportunity i think he's done it's i think he's dead 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 carter Starting last question with you, let's give it a timeline of a year, a year from now. Yeah. Will there be news on Facebook and Instagram?
2: Well, news news is a broad category. But I'm suspecting that we will see Breitbart, we will see Newsmax, we will see...
0: Will we see, uh, will we see CBC? Will we see the Globe and Mail? Will we see Postmedia? Will we see the characters and the, and the companies that have been discussed as part of C18, the ones that Meta is now saying, you know what, no longer on our, on our publishing Yeah,
2: platform. not only am I going to say yes, I'm going to say it's going to take way less than a year.
0: Take way less than a So we're still going to see it. It's still going to be there. They're going to cave.
2: Yeah, they caved before. I mean, they caved in fucking Australia. No one can read down there. I mean, it's it's insane.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Well, they don't know how to spell mustard dog, so that's I'll tell you fair. what they
2: don't. Um, they, they go with Bailey instead of. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Carter. Stop it. <laughs>
0: No, that's not good. I don't like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's a good episode. That's not good. I don't like that. As a good episode, yeah, of course, like this whole show. Yeah, one one year from now, will we have <laughs> will we have news on 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 Meta's platforms, Instagram and Facebook? Um, will they cave to to C eighteen? Uh,
1: you will, but I think it's, I don't think it's going to be like Australia. Here's the reality. Australia is a smaller country. Australia is not right next to the United States. And I think they're much more spooked by what the Canadian precedent would be. So as much as Australia might have been a bit of a training ground, they can hone some messages here. It's not the same situation. And I'm sure that they're not very wild about the idea that Canada would would go down this road and cause them this much grief. So they don't want to have to be paying all of this money all over the world. It's it's one thing when it's Australia. What's the population of Australia? 27 million? Something like yeah, that? Yeah,
2: we're like 40 million now as of last week.
1: Yeah, we're like 40. We're like but big. beyond that, we're right next door to the United States. And uh, there's a certain huh. permeability there that I think it would unnerve me if I were them.
0: We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1078 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velger. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we'll see you next time.